This is Mike Armstrong, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And welcome in to another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. It's your host, Dave O. Glad you're along as we talk to all of your favorite current and former Royals here on Clubhouse Conversation. Today, it's Mike Armstrong who we're about to catch up with. Mike Armstrong, the main setup guy for Dan Quisenberry during the 1982 and 1983 seasons. In fact, he was very good out of that Royals bullpen during those two years. Armstrong had a record of 15-12 and to go along with a 3.51 ERA in 110 games. Mike Armstrong was... The winning pitcher in the infamous Pine Tar game. Mike Armstrong later on went to the Yankees, although he didn't want to go to the Yankees. That's my kind of guy right there. This is this is a true royal we're talking to today. Mike Armstrong, who joins us now on Clubhouse Conversation. Hey, welcome on the show, Mike, and kind of update us on everything. What are you doing these days? Where are you living? How you doing, et cetera? Well, I live in uh, I live in Athens, Georgia, and uh home of the UGA Bulldogs. And uh I am. Uh, I'm retired. Um, I spend a lot of my time. I, I umpire high school baseball, so uh, I'm pretty into that. And uh, and I work with uh, my former agent in doing a little scouting and a little instruction and advising. So you're still de- you're still definitely involved with baseball, then. Yes. Uh huh. Do you follow it at all? Or do you, Do you see that the Royals are currently in first place? I sure do. I see they're <laughs> a half game in front. Yeah, yeah, awesome nine nine game winning streak. Yeah, people around here are are quite excited right now, as you might imagine. I bet it's Uh, been a while. (laughs) Yeah, way too long. So you're also Uh one thing I see you still quite a bit, like in the news. They'll have you on those baseball card websites, like Uh honoring your baseball cards. Do you still have those awesome glasses and the mustache from way back? Oh yeah, yeah, those oh boy, (laughs) horrible looking things. Yes. That was the '80s, though. <laughs> yeah, I love it. my dad had those too. My dad hates it when I make fun of him for that. Uh, yeah. Well, let's go back and start from your childhood then. So you attended uh, North Shore High School, and then yes. right after you graduated in '72, Cleveland took you in the ninth round of the draft. And now you didn't end right. up signing with them, obviously. But what do you remember about that first draft day? How'd you get the news, and who was with you, and all that good stuff? I got uh, I got the news in a uh, Western Union telegram. <laughs> cool. <laughs> this is like I feel like ancient. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a telegram. It was from Ed McCarrick, and uh, he was a, he was a scout, I guess that was, that was uh, had that area for Cleveland, and uh, let me know that I was drafted and that he'd be, he'd be in touch with me, and uh, yeah, we just took it from there. A telegram. That's the first. I've never heard that. That's great. Really? <laughs> now, you chose uh, to go play ball at the University of Miami, obviously. Was that an easy right. choice for you to at that time? Um, I, my, every inclination was that I, that I wanted to go to college. And, and, you know, at that time, college was a very prestigious thing. A uh, college degree would, would have meant, meant a lot. And, um, so uh, my family uh, pretty much kind of, I think, you know, we influenced me and, and my coaches said, you know, 
college education is important. So uh, I, I was leaning that way all the time. Uh, of course, uh, things happened after that, and, uh, and it kind of changed my mind. Now, what were you going to major in and, and become if you weren't a baseball player? Well, I went in as an English major, and the plan was to switch to uh, to a journalism degree. So I, I had an interest in journalism. Very cool. And, and will you, ta- you and I were talking off the air, too. You kind of have a background with broadcasting a little bit, too, so it kind of makes sense, right? You did some play-by-play? Uh, yeah, I was play-by-play in color, both. But, wow. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was just a high school game, so it wasn't, wasn't any kind of big pressure thing or anything. But, uh, yeah, that's so cool, though. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I think, I think I'd be good at it. Yeah. Well, so then the Reds took you in the first round of the 74 January right. draft, back when they had that January draft. Um, right. So how about that draft day? Was it Telegram that time, too, that you found out? No, that was a phone call. Uh, that was a, uh, Neil Summers was the, the scout for the, for the Cincinnati Reds in that area. Uh, I had I had left Miami, and uh, the, my plan was to to switch uh, to go to another school. I was going to I was going to go to Seton Hall University in New Jersey because I had some friends there and and what have you. And that was kind of my plan. And then this I didn't even know about a January draft. Uh, it was kind of a surprise to me. I didn't even know they did that. And so I got a phone call from uh, from the from the Reds saying they took me in the first round and. Uh, again, they'd be in touch with me. So, uh, I said to myself, <laughs> self, uh, this is your second chance. I don't know about a third one. So I, uh, I, I took the opportunity. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, before yeah. we get going about different seasons you've had, uh, re- remind Royals fans and baseball fans, what pitches you threw and then where you sat at, topped out at and all that good stuff. Okay. Uh, I was a I was a kind of a, a middle setup guy, uh, middle reliever type guy, and uh, I basically threw a fastball, slider, and a change. Uh, and I threw from from the side, a little bit, not quite as low as Quisenberry, but uh, and actually I threw a little harder than he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't hard to do. <laughs> right, right, right. Who didn't, right? <laughs> right. Quiz used to used to kid uh, everyone. He said, "This is my was a uh, Peggy you know, Peggy Lee fastball. Is that all you got?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, it's hard to believe. So your first two stops in minor league baseball. It's hard to believe they're now MLB cities. It was Seattle and Tampa back in '74 in A ball, yes. which is kind of hard to believe. So, uh, right. That first summer away from home. You know, what do you remember about that? Well, that that was uh, I actually started. I was uh, my first assignment was in Tampa, and I was there for about a month. And I was a starting pitcher at the time, and uh, I uh, I struggled a little bit in Tampa. And I was uh, uh, you know struggling, so they sent me down to what they call extended spring training, and uh, that that takes place in St. Petersburg, and there's five or six teams over there that they just you just play each other until. The uh, I guess the June draft happens and then the the half season A ball seasons start and uh, so then you get your assignment so that they assigned me out to Seattle and uh, that was interesting uh, you know Seattle's a great town I love Seattle uh, and the Kingdom was actually being built huh. <laughs> at the time we we actually lived right up the 
Street from the Kingdome, and uh, yeah, pretty that's, awesome. That's true because they just lost the Pilots a couple years earlier. That's right. We played in six the Seattle Six Stadium. Oh, stadium. is that where the, the yeah. Pilots played? It must be right. Yes, it was. Uh-huh. Huh. Uh-huh. Okay, so then from uh, 1975 to 77, you played for Three Rivers of the Eastern yeah. League in Double A. So where in the heck was Three Rivers, and how was that experience? <laughs> that was again pretty awesome experience. Uh, it, it's in Canada. It's in the, it's in the Quebec province of Canada. Three uh, Three Rivers or Trois Rivières uh, is about a hundred miles north of Montreal and about 100 miles south of Quebec City. Mm. And at the time, this is all part of the Eastern League, at the time uh, there were three teams in the, in Canada that were in that Eastern League. There was Quebec City, and there was Trois-Rivières, and there was a place called Thetford Mines. I believe it was the Brewers were in there, the Expos were in Quebec City, and the Cincinnati Reds were in Trois-Rivières. So I was there in 75, 76 and 77. Wow, you got to pitch in some pretty places. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> That's a good and I took French in high school, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I was wondering how you kind of rolled that off the tongue so nicely there. Yeah. So uh, so 1978 then was spent between Chattanooga and Indianapolis, right. and then you got traded in July of 79 for a guy named Paul O'Neill to the Padres. So Paul That's O'Neill, correct. of course, had a decent little career. Is it kind of cool to look back and say you got dealt for him straight up? Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, Paul and I, well, pretty much both of us were kind of unknowns at the time. Uh, Paul was playing in Amarillo, Texas, and uh, uh, after my my career there with the Reds was over, they, tra- they traded me to San Diego, and uh, that's where I went. I went to Amarillo, Texas, and I was there for oh, about a month or so, and, and I got called up, played in Hawaii uh, right at the end of the season. No, what, what were what were the thoughts and emotions like? You know, the team that drafts you and brings you up and they trade you, were, were you okay with that or were you kind of distraught? Uh, I think most of the feeling is that initially you're a little distraught. Uh, I mean, even though, even though I think in your brain you know it's a good thing, uh, it needed to happen, but you always feel a little betrayed. <laughs> you know, you always feel like, why, why didn't they think I was good enough? Why did, you know. And you know you can you can uh, you can go on like that, but uh, it didn't take long to figure out that that this is exactly what I needed, and I needed a just a, a new fresh start. Well, and those were the days where you converted from a starter to a reliever right around then. Exactly. So that happened. Yes, that happened in Chattanooga. Oh, okay, Chattanooga. Uh, yeah, I was uh, actually loaned out. I was still actually part of the Cincinnati system, but I was on loan. I don't know if they still do that what? these days. Yes. Explain I this. <laughs> well, I, I, went, I was in spring training the, the year before, the last year in Three Rivers. Uh, uh, I was a starter, and I was, I, I was 16 and 10. I actually led the league in wins. And uh, so I thought, wow, finally I'm going to get a chance to play in Indianapolis. There's a triple-A team. And uh, that just didn't happen. Uh, in fact, I, uh, they were going to, you know, I, they, they sent me down to the, Three Rivers team again, and were actually going to release me. They were going to just send me home. And before they did that, Chief Bender was the minor league director, and uh, he called and said, "You know, well, 
before I give you your airline ticket, uh, Chattanooga has a spot. If you want to go to the you know, Southern League, it's the Cleveland Indians, we're, we can loan you to them. Mm-hmm. And I almost said no. I, you know, I said, you know, no, that's enough. But I remembered one of my best friend from high school was going to be on that team. And I said, yeah, I think we'll go. <laughs> so I, I did. And, and so when I got there, John Osino was the manager. And uh, th- there was, oh, I think there was six left-handed pitchers on that team. I don't know how that happened, but he said, Mike, I know you're a starter, but I got to have some right-handers in the bullpen. If you don't mind, for the first couple of weeks, would you mind doing that? And I said, No, I don't care. And I and I did, and I and that's when I and I started. That's when I started to drop down, and I started trying different things, and it just kind of just all fell into place. Oh my uh, gosh! So you were that yeah. you were that close to walking away at that time? Oh yes! Oh yes! Uh huh! Wow! Yeah. Yeah, all I had to do was say say to Chief Bender, no, I don't think so, and I, I would have been home. So if your friend wouldn't have been on that team, you probably never would have, you, that probably would have been it, huh? That's right. Exactly right. Wow. It's amazing. What, <laughs> what friend was that on that team? His name is uh, Todd Heimer. Okay. And uh, and he played at Seton Hall. He was one of my friends. Yeah, that's why I was going to go to Seton Hall. He was at Seton Hall, and we had a shortstop on that team in Chattanooga named Rico Bellini. He also played at Seton Hall. Yeah. And I knew I knew all those guys. So, uh, yeah, I just, just said, okay, I'll go to Chattanooga. You know, this will be a good way to end it. <laughs> and uh, it actually was the beginning. Yeah, well, it makes sense now why you were, you know, somewhat excited about that trade then. So you like you pitched with Nashville, Amarillo, Hawaii in 79, like you said, for the Islanders. Right. Now, I've got to know, because I, I, mean, I know they don't have, you know, pro-organized baseball. I know they still have some indie leagues out there, I think. But as, uh-huh. as far as what was it like pitching for the Hawaii Islanders? What was the stadium like and what were the crowds like and what was that whole experience like? Well, I really enjoyed uh, my time in Hawaii. Of course, you know. It's kind of hard not to yeah, like Hawaii. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it it was it really an awesome place to play. We played in Aloha Stadium, and uh, so it, it's it really was a nice, beautiful stadium. Probably better than you know most any AAA mm-hmm. field you play on. But uh, we had a very, very good record at home. Then uh, because the teams the teams in uh, that weren't that were in our division, uh, they couldn't afford to fly back and forth, you know, three or four times. So what would happen is when they came, they you'd play a ten game homestand against the same team. Huh. And well, you know, you've come to Hawaii <laughs> and you're sunburnt and you've done lost the three first three games and you still got seven to play and you got no meal money. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. So our 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 home record was very good. Uh, now the opposite was true on the road, though, because we would have to go on very long road trips twenty one, twenty two, twenty three day road trips. And uh, yeah. Well, one guy that you uh, pitched with in Hawaii that I wanted to ask you about um, uh-huh. was the late Eric Shaw. Uh, right. Did you get to know him at all? And do you have any memories of him? No, very well. Yes, yes. Uh, Eric and I were were pretty good buddies uh, for those you know, the year in you know in Hawaii and and then later on in San Diego also. 
uh, yeah, we were pretty close, and uh, that was just devastating news to hear that he that he had passed. Uh, yeah, we uh, we did a lot of we we studied the Bible together and did a lot of things, and we we spent a lot of time. And Eric was a good guy. Yeah, we lost him way too young. Um, yeah. Well, you headed into the 1980s season. You were no doubt very hungry to make it to the major leagues by then, and right. then. After the beginning of the season at Hawaii, you started with a 1.95 ERA, and then you uh-huh. got your first call to the big leagues shortly after right. that. So, who told you, and then where were you at, and, and what, sto- what you know what was that story when you first found out you were well, getting called I, up? I was at I was we were in Hawaii. Uh, I was at home in our apartment. Uh, we had a condo in in a place called Iaea, which is right uh, Pearl Harbor, basically. It's right there. Okay, and. Uh, the manager, uh, the manager called me. Doug Rader was our manager, and he called and said, uh, "Well, I, I need you uh, to get on a plane and uh, go to, go to San Diego." And boy, that was awesome, <laughs> awesome news. And uh, so I did that. And uh, I tell you, the first day there, I mean, you know, people ask me often that, you know, what, what's your best, ex- what was your greatest moment in baseball? And, and that's got to be it right there. Just that first day in the big leagues realizing a childhood dream and, and just just being out there and, and uh in Jack Murphy Stadium. Yeah. Facing well, the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> yeah, well especially with as close as you were to not making it, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well you mentioned Cincinnati, that's true. August twelfth was your first outing and you right. threw a, a scoreless inning and then three days later you went two scoreless innings against Houston. You struck out four in the fifteenth right. and sixteenth inning of a twenty inning game. Yes. And then, so I have a little trivia question for you. Do you remember uh-huh. who your first major league strikeout was? My first major league strikeout. Ooh, that was probably against Houston. It was. I, I, I'm not sure though. I don't. Remember. I, I know it wasn't that first outing against Cincinnati because uh, my first bat. I remember my first batter I faced was Dan Dreesen, and, and I walked him on four pitches. <laughs> Didn't come anywhere close to the strike zone. And the next batter was Johnny Bench, and I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> what am I going to do now? <laughs> so I tried to throw him a slider, and he just he hit one as hard as anything's ever been hit off of me. Uh, fortunately, it was right at our shortstop, uh, who happened to be Ozzie Smith, and uh, we doubled him up. <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah, we got a double play on it. The answer is Rafael Landestoy. Oh my gosh, Rafi Landestoy, yes. <laughs> oh my god. Boy, you boy, names out of the past. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe he started with the Dodgers organization. Yeah, he played I, forever. I remember playing against him in the minor leagues. Uh, and I think I thought he was with the Dodgers, but yeah, I guess he was with Houston at the time. Did you get to keep that first strikeout ball or not? No, no. I didn't get anything. I don't have any memorabilia. They didn't give didn't it to you. I didn't get a uniform. I what? didn't get anything. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Man, that's kind of that's that's kind of BS. Well, you spent. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> so then in '81, you went back with Hawaii mostly as their right. setup man and closer. Before you made another appearance on June second, right. the Padres called you back up. You got you pitched two games before the strike, and yeah. then so for those of us younger fans, explain why that strike happened, how long it lasted, and all that good stuff. Wow, that that was the. Uh, one of the longer strikes. I believe it was a 54-day strike. Mm-hmm. And 
it was it was just over the collective bargaining agreement. And I, I, to be honest with you, I don't remember the, the, any specific issues that that it was over, but you know, it was just the union just had difficulty bargaining with with owners at the time, and and um, so yeah, I got I, I believe it was like six days before the strike, I got called up and and uh, <laughs> had to had to sit out. And then I actually got sent back before the when the strike was over. They sent me right back to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, so bad luck there. Yeah. How, what, so was that pretty frustrating for you? And then and then you know to very yeah, very. Yeah. We were we were in Chicago at the time, uh, and uh, the phone rang. And of course, this is the days the Cubs. You know, uh, Wrigley Field didn't have lights, so they were all day games, and. Uh, Got a call, you know, and I, oh my gosh, it's kind of early, but uh, it was it was someone from the union telling us that not to go to the ballpark that we were on strike. Sure. So we were just kind of stranded in Chicago. I had to get back to San Diego somehow, and uh, yeah, kind of had to sit out those those days and then wait around, and and finally got uh, finally when it was over, I ended up going back to Hawaii anyway. <laughs> wow. What, one thing that reminds me of is, you know, not having to pay during the strike or whatever. What what kind of jobs would you do back then in the off season, like you know, to stay afloat? Oh my, yeah. Well, in the minor leagues, yeah, you don't you don't make a lot of money, so you know you you have to do something in the off season. I have uh, I have tended bar. I've worked at a gas station. I worked as a plumber's helper. Huh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> all those things. A little bit of everything. That's kind of cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, so after 1980 and 1981, you'd appeared in 21 games for San Diego, and uh-huh. we're probably headed into 82 thinking you'd maybe finally stick at the major league level with San Diego, but then uh-huh. after spring training, the Royals purchased you on April 4th, 1982 right. to a minor league deal. I guess that was technically the last week of spring training. Uh, right. What do you remember about the moment that the Royals selected you, and then what were your thoughts on coming over to KC? Well, I, I was, we were, too, we were, uh, spring training was in Yuma, Arizona, for the Padres, and we were actually in Phoenix. Uh, we were playing, I, I, I believe we were playing some sort of exhibition game, and maybe against one of the college teams there in the area or something. And uh, that's that's when I got, uh, Doug Rader let me know that, we, that I had been traded. And I was to be in Omaha on such and such a date. <laughs> and so my wife and I got in our car, drove up to Omaha, to be with Joe Sparks. <laughs> yeah. Did you know much about the Royals? I mean, what, what were your initial thoughts on, oh, the Kansas City Royals? What, what, what were you thinking about them? I didn't. I really didn't know anything about the Royals at the time. Uh, it just, yeah, that wasn't one of the... I grew up in New York, so... Uh, the Royal. Well, I remember, you know, I remember the Royals-Yankee, uh, you know, rivalry uh, in the playoffs. You know, they met several times in the playoffs, and that was good, but... Uh, no, not too. I didn't really know all that much about the Royals uh, until I got to Omaha. I learned quick. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you began '82 there. You spent the first six weeks with the Omaha Royals. You were four and two right. with a three-two-one in 15 uh-huh. games, and that would be the end of your minor league days for a while. So Casey called you right. up on, on May 17th of '82, and you stayed with the Royals through the right. end of that '83 season. So before we talk about your KC days, what do you remember about pitching uh, there in Omaha? Oh, in Omaha. Uh, I really enjoyed Omaha. It, it, you know, it it was it was interesting meeting new people. And again, you know, when you get a new start, uh, 
like that, yeah, and a new opportunity to make a make a first impression. You don't get to make many first impressions, but uh, you know that's that's was that was the situation there. And, you know, you you know you have to take advantage of the opportunity. And uh, fortunately, I got off to a good start, and uh, and I, and I did well, and, and everything went well for me in Omaha. I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the teammates and everybody. Uh, you know, by now I I had been moved several times, so you know, I kind of kind of got used to the idea that you know it was almost like the military. You know, be here, <laughs> be there, be here, be there. <laughs> you know, and uh, you just you, you just adjust. You just you know it's part of the game. What do you remember about uh, Rosenblatt Stadium? Rosenblatt Stadium, a great stadium to pitch in. Big, big stadium, which. Uh, yeah, I, I tended to give up the long ball once in a while, so I, I really appreciate it from some flat stadium a lot. I had a lot more outs than home runs. <laughs> <laughs> now, how do you recall the news that you were going up to KC? Was, was that a surprise to you, or were you expecting it? Uh, no, I wasn't expecting it. Because, you know, 4-2 record with a 3-2 ERA is it's not bad, but it's not it's not tearing the league up either, necessarily. Uh I really wasn't wasn't really expecting it. It was kind of a surprise to me, uh, and uh, yeah, but uh, but a, but a great one. And you know, of course, Omaha is just up the road; it's not very far at all. So I, my wife and I again got in the car and <laughs> boogied on down. Man, she had to be a good sport to go through all this. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, she uh, she she was a good baseball wife. Yeah, for sure. So you ended up uh, becoming the second most pitch Royals reliever in '82 behind Quiz. You, you appeared in right. 52 games. You went five and five with a 3-2-0. You had six saves. Um, before we talk about a few games in general, uh, talk about uh, the culture of the Royals at that time. What, what the clubhouse was like when you first got there, and what did you kind of think of your new teammates up there in KC right off the bat? <coughs> Excuse me. First impression was awesome. Uh, I. I you know, when I got there, you know, everybody was welcoming me, and, uh, and, and you know, of course, you're, you're a little apprehensive. You know, you don't, we really don't know anybody, but I think there were some folks on that team that I might have played against before. So, you know, I kind of, kind of migrated to them, and uh, you know, uh, kind of stir up old memories and, and what have you from the minor league days. But uh, what, what the, the the one thing I remember about the Royals was it was just it was really a lot like a family, uh, very family oriented. Uh, and, and my wife got the same impression from sitting in the stands. She she really enjoyed it. She really loved it. She got you know she just had a great time with with all the other players' wives and and what have you. And it was the same for me in the clubhouse. Uh, I got to be pretty close with Dan Quisenberry. Uh, you know uh, we. Uh, yeah, we were bullpen buddies, but you know we were also kind of locker mates. His locker was right next to mine too, so we got to know each other pretty well. And uh, and uh, yeah, it was just uh, it was it was awesome. I really I really enjoyed my time of all the years, the 14 years that I played. Those two years in Kansas City are my favorite. Uh, and uh, I really <laughs> yeah, I guess we're going to get to the part where I got traded to the Yankees, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm, I'll, well, yeah, because sure. I, I can't wait to hear about that. But so your first American League outing came against the Yankees on May nineteenth. You threw three yes. scoreless innings. You struck out three, uh-huh. no walks. Do you remember that first outing? 
No, I don't. Really? <laughs> I, I really, I, no, I don't remember the. I, I didn't remember it was against the Yankees. Huh. Uh, that's interesting. It was yeah. What, what, let's see. That was in uh, May. It was at sometime in May, wasn't it? Yeah, May nineteenth. Yep, of eighty two. Yeah, May nineteenth. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. And I know this all off the top of my head, of course. I didn't research this. I just remember this all, of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, your first big league win came four days later. I bet you might remember this one. Against Texas, you walked two, you struck out one, and got just one out in one-third of an inning and got the win. And then in July, you were Royals uh-huh. pitcher of the month. You had an ERA of one six one In July, you allowed just 18 hits and 28 innings. So how nice right. was it being at the major league level and just finally getting regular duty at that time? Uh, it, was, it was awesome. It, it really was. You know, an athlete, whether it's baseball, football, or, or it doesn't really matter what sport it is, you know, you, you get just so many opportunities, uh, and when you do get them, you know, you got to perform. And this time, it it it, it worked for me uh, with the Royals, and uh, it was just a, it was just a great feeling to be you know part of the team, and, and uh, you know, as a setup guy, it was kind of for me, it was a it was the best of both worlds. Uh, you didn't really have the pressure of being a closer, but you know you were still used in, in close games and important games. Um, so that, that, that was great for me. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, I just loved my time with the Royals. Well, we loved having you. So you guys finished off 82 at 90 and 72. You were in second place. You missed the playoffs. Uh-huh. The same thing would happen in 83. How frustrating right. was that? Just coming up a little short. I think the I'm not sure. Was it the Blue Jays that that finished in front of us? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, uh, you know, at least one year they did it, and uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was frustrating, you know, because we were we were there, but we weren't quite there. And uh, our, you know, the Royals team that we had that year, it was a, it was a very good team, but we weren't a, we weren't a, uh, an offensive powerhouse. Uh, of course, we had George Brett. You know, that's and that was a major plus, but. Um, you know, other than that, we really didn't have a lot of firepower, uh, and uh, so we did, we had trouble scoring runs. So our pitching had to be good, and uh, it was good, but it, not quite good enough, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, '83, you personally picked up right where you left off. You got in a career high 58 games in 1983. You went 10 and seven. Uh-huh. With a three eight six. Now, one of the more memorable moments of that year was obviously the Pine Tar game, which you would end up being the winning pitcher for. So, let, but let's talk about both days of the Pine Tar game. So, let's start with the original day. Take us through how you remember it. You know, from your vantage point, where were you sitting at when that when the home run and the bat measurement happened? You know, when they started uh, looking and all that. What do you remember about that? Well, I, I believe I think I pitched the seventh and eighth innings of, of that game, and uh, you know, we were we were behind by a run, and. Uh, so we're in, we're in the top of the ninth, and I'm on the bench there. Uh, I think I was sitting somewhere near Pat Sheridan, and uh, we had a man on base. And George and Brett came up, and boom, he just he just turned Gossage around, and and boy, it was a, it was amazing. And I'm just going, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I, I probably you know because I'm sitting there, I know I know Cos- if we have a lead, I know Cosenberry is going to come in and pitch that last inning, so I, I I pretty much know I'm done. And then, old Tim McLellan and his crew, uh, they got together and decided to, to make a call. And, and I'm not sure how, how it was all reported. Now, being an umpire in high school, I, I really learned a lot about the rules. And uh, 
my my impression of what happened at the time, and did you tell me, uh, you know, if I'm correct or not? Uh, they made a ruling uh, that Brett was out because uh, because of the pine tar, and there's no question that he had violated the pine tar rule. But my uh, my understanding was that the remedy for that was that the bat be removed from the game. Right. And instead, they used the remedy for Farns. Uh, uh, foreign substance which is that's that's a, the penalty for that is ejection and you're called out um, but that he didn't really violate that rule <laughs> so i think that's why mr mcphail turned it around well i'm still trying to figure out why why would more pine tar help your you know, what advantage does it really do i mean it what, doesn't that's what i it thought doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't alter the flight of the ball the, the reason the rule was put in because it was marking the balls <laughs> it was it, yeah it was marking the balls and actually actually if you want to if you want to be really technical about it it would be more of an advantage for the pitcher right i mean didn't we have an incident this past year with a yankee pitcher uh, yeah. that had pine tar <laughs> on the ball on his ear uh, and stuff yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes that was real genius so, and, and it would help it would help the pitcher so uh, you know it it doesn't alter the flight of the ball that's why there are two different rules yeah the other rule the other rule, the fourth substance if you groove the bat if you put you know, super balls in it like Greg Nettles did and or something like that that does make the ball fly differently. So that's that's a different rule. But anyway. Well so Joe, that all went down yeah. and, and and you know, it all oh, it was mayhem. Uh <laughs> of course everybody, you know, you focus on the way George came out and that's pretty much the way everybody felt, just outraged. What are you how can this be? What are you talking about? And uh I remember I think Hal McRae was on deck and somehow, somehow, Gaylord Perry got out there <laughs> and got the bat, and they tossed the bat into it. Steve Renko ended up with the bat, and he tried to run up the, the, the runway with the bat. I, I guess he felt he was trying to hide the evidence or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then, so I'm still sitting on the bench going, oh, my gosh. And the next thing I know, here comes two security officers <laughs> With Ranko in hand and the bat and guns drawn, guns drawn, <laughs> and I'm going, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so so uh, yeah, they finally made the ruling, and boy, I, I, it was a getaway day. We were supposed to go back to Kansas City that day. It was a Sunday, and uh, it was the last game of the road trip, so we were headed back to Kansas City. Well. We didn't. Uh, we were in the clubhouse for quite a long time. Uh, Mr. Hauser had said some rearranging of the furniture in his office, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we had to wait about an hour until things cooled off enough. Well, but, you, uh, so you were probably pretty ticked too, weren't you? You personally? I'm sorry. You were probably pretty ticked off too, like you personally too, right? You know, actually, no. I, I remember being, you know, just kind of really being pretty calm about the whole thing and just going, holy cow, look at this. Look what's going on here. <laughs> I was, I felt like a kind of a little bit like an outsider just observing. Uh, I didn't personally really get upset. I, and uh, after, after I got to think about it, go, yeah, you know, that's, that's pretty much a, a raw deal, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> George was really upset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it! You know, they took so long to make the decision. He was pacing up in front of the, up and down that dugout, 
And, you know, it took, you know, they walked out a little bit to right field to talk, and then they came back. And then as soon as McClellan's hand got about waist high, there goes Brett. I mean, it was like a, like letting a lion out of a cage. You know? <laughs> uh, he just flew out of there. I love yeah. it. So let's go back to the second day then when you had to go All back right. and, and replay the game. So you guys flew back. You finished the game. Now here's the quote that I found from you at the time. You said, quote, okay. It was wild to go back to New York and play those four outs in a totally empty stadium. I'm dressed yeah. in the uniform and nobody's there. So right. talk more about that day. Okay. Well, it was uh, uh, we, uh, they had to find a date in which both teams were off, the Yankees and the Royals. So uh, uh, they picked that date you know, sometime in August, I guess. And uh, we, so we, we, we were actually on our way to Baltimore. And uh, so we flew into New York, and we got on the bus and went to the stadium, and we got dressed. And, and technically, I'm still in the game. I'm still pitching. You know, I haven't actually been taken out of the game yet. So, uh, you know, I get dressed, and I go to the bullpen. And, uh, you know, I, I suppose we had we, – we picked up the four outs. So we had two outs at the top of the ninth with a one-run lead. And – I guess, it, you know, you've seen plenty of baseball games, you know. Anything can happen. You know, we could have scored six or seven runs. And in that case, I probably would have stayed in the game and finished it. But uh, we didn't, so Dan came in and finished it. So, but I had to go out to the bullpen to kind of kind of be ready, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really wild. Well, and Keep in mind now, I, I grew up in New York. <laughs> yeah. New York. <laughs> So it was wild. It was crazy. Well, speaking of wild, I understand that leaving Yankee Stadium that day, your bus was, like, pelted with stuff, and you were, like, followed yes. by fans. Was that actually scary, or was that blown out of proportion? That was a little bit scary. And, and actually, we were on the GW Bridge, heading, heading over the bridge, uh, and we were on the lower part of the bridge, the, the lower deck. There's two decks to the George Washington Bridge. And we had a brick thrown, and it hit. It actually hit our windshield on the bus. Good grief! Yeah. yeah. You... So I, yeah, I remember now. I'm, I'll never. I'm, I'm not going to drive on the bottom part anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what <Stuff> happens? <laughs> what was it like playing uh, with George Brett? Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. I, and, you know, I, I can tell you a Brett story. I, I'll be actually telling a little story on myself, but. Uh, <laughs> there was an incident in Toronto. You, I don't know if you might have come across this in some of your some of your research. Uh-uh. But, uh, yeah, this was uh, we were in Toronto at Old Exhibition Stadium, and it was a Monday night baseball game. So it was Howard Cosell and whoever he had up there with him. And I'm in the bullpen. It's a I'm probably somewhere around maybe the third or fourth inning. And I'm sitting there, and, and and the bullpens in Toronto on the old Exhibition Stadium uh, are on the field. They're not recessed. They're not beyond the fence. They're on the field, okay, right. just like the old, you know. Like, and uh, so I'm sitting there, and I'm talking with Quiz, I'm having a conversation with Dan. Dan's, Dan is facing the game. He's facing the action. My back was kind of turned, and I was talking to him. And the next thing you know, everybody in the bullpen jumps up, and I – turned around quickly, and here's this baseball coming right at me. And I put my hand up, and I grabbed it, and I caught it. <laughs> Guess what? It was a fair ball. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, it's, I, I, as soon as I, I, realized, I dropped it like a hot potato, oh, my God, what did I do? And uh, so, uh, yeah, the umpires get together again, and uh, Bill Conkle was the crew chief, and uh, he, they had a, he, he comes out to me and he says, you know, by rule, I, I probably need to throw you out of the, I need to eject you from the ball game, but I don't think you did it on purpose, so... <laughs> You owe me an ice cream, he said. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Brett, Brett, later after the game, he said, Armstrong, you're lucky I don't have an incentive clause for triples in my contract. <laughs> and I, I told him, I said, well, I probably would have thrown you out of third base anyway. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's great. Brett was a great guy. Fantastic what a teammate. What a teammate. <laughs> it, it, it was really comforting, you know, after, uh, the, you know, you get an out and the ball goes around and it comes to third base and there's George handing you the ball back, you know. Yeah. Well, how about Quiz? What, what kind of man was Quiz and what did you learn from oh, him? Fantastic. Oh, Dan Quisenberry, one of, one of the most humble guys I think I've ever met. He really was. Uh, you know, he just, and he has that, kind of California sense of humor. <laughs> very dry, very sarcastic, which is a lot like mine. And uh, so we, we really did get along very well. And uh, we just had a good time. I mean, we, used to sit, we used to sit and make up songs and change the words. <laughs> you know, that's, what bull, that's what you do in a bullpen when you got nothing to do. Uh, but, yeah. How about Split? Split off? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. He's left-handed, you know. <laughs> Those lefties, right? You got to watch them. Yeah, yeah. Paul was a great guy too. All all the pitchers and Dennis Leonard. He he's from Long Island, where I came from. So I kind of kind of had something in common with him there. And, uh, and John Watson got along with him great. All the guys were fantastic. It was a great team. There wasn't anybody there that I can say uh, you know I didn't get along with. Well, you, uh, you mentioned this guy earlier. Uh, what was it like pitching with Gaylord Perry? Oh, Gaylord Perry. Yeah, he had, boy, you talk about some stories. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, he, he was, uh, he was something. I just love to sit in the training room and listen to him talk and, you know, talk about different games and experiences that he's had, people he's known. And yeah, Gaylord's a good guy. Awesome guy. My uncle used to always tell me, I've got to read his book, How I Threw the Spitball and Got Away with It. Did you ever read that? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. He said it was a great read, so I'll have to check yeah. that out sometime. Uh, talk about Dick Hauser and uh, Cloyd Boyer, you know, working with those two. Uh, Dick Hauser was, I, I think, the best manager. You know, he's the best manager I ever played for. Uh, and Dick, because, yeah, uh, I don't know how much he knew about actual pitching, but he knew about pitching psychology. And, uh, you know, Dick, Dick was, I, I've, I've always said that, the best coaches are the coaches that know when you need a pat on the back and when you need a kick in the butt. Uh, and Dick, Dick was the best at that. He, he just, you know, he reassured me. He, you know, he get, he allowed me, he gave me permission to fail, and and I could go out and I didn't have to worry that if I didn't do well, I wasn't going to pitch tomorrow. And unfortunately, that when I ended up with the Yankees, that was pretty much the way it was all the time over there. <laughs> Yeah, and so that's the difference, you know. Uh, you know, Dick was Dick was just a great manager. I just think he was very intense. 
Uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't give you much slack, but you know, he, he, he did, he may, he did let you know that, you know, this isn't the end of your life if you don't have a good day. <laughs> right. Well, that's true. Was 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 and, and the a, same with Cloyd. That, yeah. that 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 would that would that would filter down to Cloyd. Cloyd, Cloyd was again just a good. He was more of a friend than than you know he, as much as an instructor. Uh, yeah, yeah. He he'd look at little things and you know he he could tell you know you you know well you're rushing or you're you're going a little too fast or slow down or you know. But Cloyd Cloyd was just you know he was really good at managing people and. Uh, just a just a very low key guy, very very quiet, and and very very uh, you know very much respected. What uh, part of town did you guys uh, stay in and live in back then? And did you have any favorite areas of KC you like to hang out in? Uh, not too much. Uh, we st- we lived in Bruce, Blue Springs, okay. and uh, we most of the time that we weren't you know doing something baseball related, uh, we we kind of hung out pretty much in Blue Springs. We found a nice little church there, uh, uh, the non-denominational church that we we got very involved with while we were there. Uh, and my wife had made some several friends in that area, so we we uh, we pretty much hung out in Blue Springs. Which guys were you closest to uh, on the Royals besides Quiz? And do you stay in touch with any of your old Royals teammates anymore? Uh, no, I haven't been really in touch with them. Of course, I've I've kind of got on Facebook now, so I've kind of finding people from my past yeah <laughs> uh but uh uh while i was there you know it was quiz and 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 really all the pitchers uh the whole pitching staff was 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 uh, you know it was a nice group and we all pretty much got along and, and you know hung out together and john Waffen, another another uh another uh great guy because you got to be good with the catcher you know duke <laughs> Love yeah, Duke. So, Duke, that's right. December of '83, then the Royals traded you with Dwayne Dewey to the Yankees for Balboni and Roger uh-huh. Erickson. So, like you said earlier, you grew up in New York, so that part was right. maybe a little cool. The pinstripes, obviously, but you were not a happy camper at that time. Tell us what you remember about that day. Yeah. Well, uh, what I remember is I was not in Kansas City at the time. Uh, Dave, hold on one second. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was not in Kansas City at the time. Um, my mom and dad uh, were were in the process of moving from from Long Island up to up to the Catskills, and so my wife and I decided that we were going to help them move and, and stay on to help them get the place in shape because it hadn't been lived in for 25 years. And uh, so we were at, we weren't even there, and uh, it's it's really interesting. I. Hope I don't get anybody in trouble for this. I mean, they shouldn't be in trouble, but uh, I actually got a phone call from, and refresh my memory, who, Mike Fish, Mike Fish called me and said, well, what do you think about the trade? I said, I've been kind of halfway paying attention to the winter meetings. And uh, I said, well, you know, things look good. It looks like everybody's getting what they need. And uh, he's, oh, I mean, he goes, oh, wait a minute. You don't know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he goes, God, please don't tell anybody I told you. You've been traded to the Yankees. I went, no. <laughs> no. Because there really were like three teams I really didn't want to go to. 
and, and New York was one of them. The Yankees was one of them. And uh, the other two teams were out of the country. They were in Canada, Montreal and uh, Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was just unbelievable. I, I mean, I was in shock. I was in shock because you know we were just so happy in Kansas City. We were actually good. We, we probably committed the the cardinal sin of of all ball players. We actually were looking for a home. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, 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 and uh, there we go. Got traded again, and uh, it was to the Yankees. And, and you know, at the time, uh, the Yankees were—they uh, their whole bullpen had been decimated. Uh, they, they had lost Gossage. They would lost Frazier. Um, they lost a bunch of people out of that bullpen. They didn't have anybody out there, and so. Uh, in the beginning, the trade—you know—you uh, uh, know—they were. I guess they were looking at me as maybe possibly even being a closer. So, uh, unfortunately, I got hurt in spring training, and they had to make other plans. And that's when they put Rigetti out there, and he did a great job. What? But, uh, what was it about? Was, what was it about the Yankees that you didn't want to go there? Well, it, it was the whole. I guess just the atmosphere of the Yankees, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Steinbrenner and Billy Martin, and the whole, the whole, uh, the press, that whole mix. It was just, it, it's really difficult for an athlete to to play in, in, under those you know conditions. Yeah. And you know, I personally, I love Mr. Steinbrenner. He's a great guy. He really is. But. I think he, you know, he was a little heavy on the ownership hand, and uh, you know, he had some of the best people in the world in baseball in that organization, but they really weren't allowed to do their jobs. And you know, uh, I, I guess from the first contract negotiation on, you could tell what the what it was going to be like. You know, we were looking. You know, I had two pretty solid years in Kansas City, and I'm going to New York, and I'm looking for a multi-year contract. And, and they said, no, 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 no. <laughs> we want to see if you can pitch here first. <laughs> huh. And I found out what that meant. <laughs> well, so. one thing, I, so I read that you pitched in two spring training games in 84, then you had a sore elbow sideline. Right. Is that true yeah. then that, that Steinbrenner really quite like filed damage against the Royals and try to like. Yes, he did. Yeah, what happened with yes, that? Yes, he did. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, they, they, the commissioner, basic, basic, or the president, American League president, I guess, basically ignored it. He didn't. You know, they found no basis for that. I, know, I, I, I had some arm difficulty in '83. Uh, I pitched through it. I was fine uh, by the end of the season. And uh, you know, and I actually had a physical, and uh, you know, the doctors cleared me, and the Yankee doctors examined me, and everything, and you know, I. I re-injured it again in spring training. It was just, it was another, it was a separate thing. But, uh, yeah, he did, he, he tried to say I was damaged goods. <laughs> well, you were effective again in 84. You made it in 36 games. Yeah. You had a 3-4-8. Yeah. And, and what right. was it like playing for Yogi Berra? That was your manager. Awesome. Awesome. Yogi's great. He's great. You know, he may, he, he may not be the tactician that Billy Martin was, but, uh, Yogi knew talent, and Yogi knew people, and people wanted to play for him. They really did, and uh, Yogi—I think Yogi did a great job. 
and I, I really enjoyed my time there. But of course, and Yogi did get fired, yeah. and uh, Billy came back, and that's a lot when my trouble started. Uh, Billy and I really didn't get along all that well, and it wasn't anything really I don't think personal. Uh, it's it more if I don't know office politics, I guess you might say. Uh, you know, it, Billy when Billy came to the Yankees back again to the Yankees, he kind of, I don't know if you remember when he was in Oakland, what kind of deal he had there. But he was the field manager and the general manager. And so he had almost complete control of that organization. And that's what he wanted in New York. And, of course, Mr. Steinbrenner's the owner. That's not going to happen. Right, right. And uh, so Clyde King was the general manager when when uh, I was traded. And uh, I guess Billy saw me as one of Clyde's boys. And that's the way he saw things. And... And so uh, I had a hard time there. I didn't get any, you know, I, it wasn't, you know, I mentioned before about Dick, you know, not putting the the, the kind of pressure on you that, that would cause you to, you know, get all tense and worry and that kind of thing. And that, that was just exactly the opposite with Billy. Uh, that, you know, it was, you know, perform or forget it. You're in a doghouse. <laughs> Right. So I sat for weeks out there and, and, and did nothing. You know, <laughs> and and I just could you know, I was I was used to pitching every other day. And it just can't uh, it's very hard to to adventure every time you go out there if you have to wait that long. Well yeah, to be consistent at all too. Yeah. Um so you spent eighty five then, you bounced between the the Yankees and then of course yeah. Columbus and Triple A and then winter of eighty six was interesting. So the Yankees released you in December, then they signed you before the season, then they released you again on April 19th, yeah. and you went to Cleveland on April 24th of 87. You split that year between Buffalo and Cleveland. Right. You were good at AAA, but then struggled a bit in the big leagues. So, And then right. as far as I can tell, you never pitched professionally again after 87. So at what point during the 87 season did you know it would be the last? Was that something you knew before it happened? Uh, it, was, it was pretty much after I... I when I was with the Yankees here, I was um, in Columbus. Bucky Denton was the manager. And uh, two weeks into the season there, or even maybe just even a week into the season, Bucky calls me in and says, we're going to send you down to Albany, back down to AA. And uh, I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> he says, well, you got to go. And he says, I said, no, just release me. Just, you know, come on, please. Well, I had a guaranteed contract, so uh, I said, well, whatever I have to do to waive that, just send me the papers, I'll do it, because I need to get out of here. And uh, that, that's what happened. I ended up waiving that guaranteed contract, and, uh, and and my wife and I went home, and and we came to, my wife and I came to an agreement. She said, uh, my agent called and said, you know, you can go to, you know, to Buffalo, uh, Cleveland Indians. And, uh, you know, they need pitching up there. And uh, and we decided one more time, one last shot. And I, you know, if I get back to the big leagues and I stay, great. If I get, if I don't, we're done. And because uh, I had my oldest, my oldest girl was just becoming a year old. And uh, I just didn't, you know, I just didn't want that kind of itinerant life for her. And, and uh, so I made it back, but I didn't stay. So. We got in the car and went home. 
So you were basically going into 88. You didn't really have any dreams of, of playing yeah. again in 88, really? No, no, not at all. Didn't even entertain the idea. I, I went home uh, to Virginia. We, we were living in Virginia at the time. And uh, <clears throat> got into business, bought a, an ongoing sporting goods business, and, uh, and tried my hand at retail. Huh. Did that for six or seven years and sold it and, and went and did something else. <laughs> well, cool. When you yeah. uh, when you look back at your baseball career, uh, what are you most proud of? I, I'm most proud of of the uh, I, I guess the endurance, uh, the ability to stay with it, not quit, and to to make it. You know, and and. and I did end up quitting in a sense, but it was pretty much on my own terms. Uh, I, mean, I could have went back to Buffalo if, if, if I wanted to, but I just decided not to. But uh, you know, it was a long haul. I spent uh, you know six, what seven years in the minors before even getting uh, getting a chance in the big leagues. So uh, that doesn't happen too often anymore. And no. uh, so I'm proud of that. I, I, I'm proud of the. I'm proud of. Uh, you know, I lived a dream. I got to do what a lot of people don't get to do, and uh, I am proud of it. What are your uh, favorite memories of your days as a as a Kansas City Royal? Just the whole family atmosphere and stuff. Oh uh, yeah, the, the family atmosphere. The you know, I I just look forward to I look forward to to being with the guys. I look forward to going to the ballpark. Or, you know, just to be around my friends, and and they were friends. They were real friends, and. Uh, just, just enjoy that, and and being in the big leagues, and and, and getting to play against the best, uh, you know, just pretty much, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, like I say, a childhood dream. Almost every time you go out, you know, I, I got to face Reggie Jackson, I got to face Rod Carew, I got to face some Carl uh, Yastrzemski. I mean, my God, these are these are people that were my idols growing up, and and. Uh, Actually, got to do that. Huh. Have, have you ever been back to Kansas City since you left? I sure haven't. No. Really? No, I have not. Uh-uh. Pretty much have. Uh, let's see. Since since uh, I, I stopped playing in '87, I really haven't done. I've pretty much stayed on the East Coast. I haven't really gone anywhere. <laughs> well, maybe someday. Maybe someday you'll yeah. make it back. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you travel and travel and travel for 14 years. Some, you know, sometimes it becomes a goal just to stay in one place for a while. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, in summary, then, what would you like to say uh, to Royals fans listening right now? Well, as a Royals fan, I, I'm rooting for them all the way. Keep going. I know they're on a nine-game winning streak. You know, it, it, it's awesome. And... uh the Tigers, the Tigers aren't going to lay down, so they're going to, they're going to have to step it up because they got some pretty good pitching over there. But uh, I think it's time for the Royals to get back in the in the playoffs scene, and uh, I'm rooting for them. Let's hope. Let's keep our fingers crossed. It'd be yeah, nice to break right. that 28 year 28 right. years. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah, well, man, I don't believe it. No. I mean, you were still pitching for two more years since the last time they were in the playoffs. That's all I know it. I know it. I know it. Oh, my. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, don't remind me. I just had my 60th birthday. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got a long way to go. You got 40 more years yeah. in you. 
hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah. thanks so much for all your time. It's been it's been really been a lot of fun talking to you and hearing the stories and the memories. And hopefully, uh, right. the Royals will win, as you said. And we appreciate you being a part of our of our history here in Kansas City. And uh, hopefully, one of these days too, we'll see you see you back out of here for a game one of these days. I'd like that. All right. We'll st- oh, I appreciate it, Dave. Thank for, you for and, sure. Uh, I'll be following. Okay, sounds good. Stay in touch. All right, bye, Dave. Take care. Yeah.